It's the day after UFC 228, and I must say, what an incredible card. I'm still buzzing from how great that was, and how good does Tyron Woodley look now? To look to be a giant across the cage from him, but Woodley took the fight into his own hands and surprised everyone with a Darce choke of all things to win it. I can't imagine anyone predicted that or bet on him winning that way anywhere in the world. If you did, Pixar didn't happen. Prove it. MMA is a crazy, unpredictable sport. At any rate, this is the second part of the series detailing the history of the welterweight division. In part one, we covered the lineal championship history of the division, or most plainly referred to as the man who beat the man. That took the lineage of the belt outside of the UFC, and in this video, we'll cover it from the first champion, Pat Militich, all the way to the present day with Tyron Woodley being victorious over Darren Till at UFC 228. So let's jump right into it. I'm Jason from MMA on Point, and this is the history of the UFC's welterweight championship. Chapter 1, The Pat Militich Era Starting from where the first video left off, Pat Militich had just won the first division title defending against Jorge Patino, and then lineally lost it outside of the UFC while still champion to Jatar Nokao. Despite that loss, he was still the UFC's official champion though, as that loss was for another promotion. And so, before returning to the UFC, he did have one more fight outside of the organization, and when he came back to defend his title, it was against who many don't know is even a fighter, Andre Pedneris a man primarily famous for being a head coach. But that fight would get stopped in favor of Pat Militich due to a cut over Pedenera's eye sustained in the fight. But this being during the early days when the UFC didn't have the cash flow to hold people under exclusive contracts, Militich fought a couple more times out of the UFC. First with Shoney Carter at Extreme Challenge 27, and then actually losing to Pele at WEF 8 when he was still UFC champion and would manage to get an armbar win next over John Alessio at UFC 26 to retain the belt. But again, he would fight outside the UFC and lose against Japanese pro wrestling star turned MMA fighter Kiyoshi Tamura by decision. What's remarkable about these three losses outside of the UFC despite him being champion is that it's wholly unique to himself and Randy Couture. Frank Shamrock also fought outside of the UFC wild champion against the same man Militich just lost to in Tamura, but that was officially ruled a draw. And of course, this is way back in the SEG days with the old ownership of the UFC before the Fertitas bought the company. So after the loss to Tamura, Militich was back for another title defense against Kenichi Yamamoto at UFC 29 in Japan. It was a fight Militich would dominate with huge knees on the ground and a solid finish by guillotine choke in round two. Chapter 2, The Changing of the Guard Without a doubt, I would consider Pat Militich's title reign as the strangest and the most dichotomous in UFC history. Sure, there have been plenty of odd title reigns, but losing three times in two years outside of the UFC while still defending four times, which was actually tied for the most UFC defenses in history with a just-retired Frank Shamrock at that point, certainly feels conflicted. Even still, he was the champion and stopped his last three title challengers. Then came Carlos Newton. He was a UFC and Pride veteran at this point already with a strong submission game behind him. It was the first event he'd fight on since Zufa took over. After two closely contested rounds, Newton snapped the title streak with raw power by a bulldog choke to claim the title in the third. It's also noteworthy that the UFC decided to rename the division from lightweight at this event to what we all know now as welterweight. They were planning for the debut of the new middleweight division for 185 pounds soon after, and had also renamed the old middleweight division to light heavyweight at 205 pounds. 
But despite his loss, Miletic's influence was far from over on the division. The very next fight and first title defense Carlos Newton had was against a man by the name of Matt Hughes, who was coming off of a 7-fight win streak and 29-3 record overall. He also happened to be one of Miletic's top students, who even cornered the fight against Newton when Miletic lost. Clearly, it was a very even match from the outset, and the first round displayed that well. This continued into the second round, where one of the most unique finishes in UFC history took place, especially considering that Hughes was out from a slam while Newton snagged him in a triangle choke. But Hughes was slightly more conscious to a notable extent than Newton was enough for him to get the win. It was certainly a controversial outcome at the time, but after defending the title against Hayato Sakurai, who was also in the lineal video, Hughes got a chance to silence the critics in a second bout against Newton. This time, there was no doubt as he earned a TKO stoppage in round four that was decisive enough to settle the rivalry. Then he'd earn two more wins against former middleweight title challenger Gil Castillo, and Sean Shirk before squaring off with his new rival Frank Trigg. Despite much trash talk and brashness on the part of Trigg, Hughes submitted Frank Trigg with a standing rear naked choke. Hughes was on top of the fighting world. Chapter 3, A New Challenger After this win in November 2003, Hughes was the most accomplished champion in UFC history. The only other man to secure five title defenses was Tito Ortiz, and he had just lost his belt to Randy Couture two months prior to the Trig win. And even in Pride, Fader had only just won the belt for the first time earlier that year for context. In fact, the UFC was running out of challengers for him. So when a returning BJ Penn offered to move up from 155 pounds to the 170 pounds, pound division to challenge for the title, the UFC offered the fight to Hughes and he accepted. And naturally, Hughes was the favorite as the bigger man who was incredibly dominant as champion. But BJ Penn was an unbelievable athlete. Already known as the prodigy, BJ quickly took the fight to Hughes by first hurting him early in the round on the feet. He then began to control Hughes on the ground and hurt him again on the ground, setting up the rear naked choke to win the fight. It was certainly one of the biggest upsets in UFC history at the time, and just as quickly as it happened, Penn disappeared. He claimed the UFC didn't have the competition he was seeking and signed with K1. A legal battle then ensued and Penn was stripped of the welterweight title, and it was up for grabs again. Hughes was there waiting with a recent win since the Penn loss, and also at the same time, a new contender had arrived on the scene in the form of an undefeated George St. Pierre. He had just earned wins over the ultra-dangerous submission specialist Caro Parisian and Jay Huron. This pit the two together for the title BJ Penn had just left behind, and it was a vintage performance from the veteran Matt Hughes, where he snagged an armbar with one second left in the very first round. And just like that, Hughes was on to defending the title he'd lost a year earlier against the man he held his last defense against, Frank Trigg. It's one of the best title fights in UFC history. He was nearly lost by a rear naked choke from Trigg after a groin shot that the ref did not call for some reason, but Hughes was just too good. He reversed the position and slammed Trigg across the cage. And just like that, it was Trigg getting submitted with a rear naked choke for an incredible comeback victory. Hughes would then fight twice more against Joe Riggs and Hoist Gracie for non-title fights due to a weight issue from Riggs and a catchweight bout with Gracie that showed how far the sport had progressed when he completely dominated the legend by TKO in round one. Chapter 4, Into the Depths 
Finally, the stars aligned and BJ Penn was back in the division. He'd been gone for two years and despite a loss to GSP as a title eliminator just prior, GSP was sidelined with a groin injury and it was Penn that would step in to replace him. So the rematch was set for UFC 63 in 2006 and it looked like a near repeat of the first fight with Penn nearly submitting Hughes again in the second round. But somehow, someway Hughes survived. As the third round started, BJ was visibly tired and that's when Hughes took over. He managed to lock BJ in a crucifix position with his arms trapped and from this position Hughes earned a dominant stoppage. In the process of this, he was considered by many to be perhaps the best fighter in the world after avenging his only loss in five years to Penn. And this is where things got really chaotic. GSP was still owed his title shot from beating Penn before his injury, and so just two months later the rematch was in place. This time St. Pierre had risen to the occasion and decisively won by TKO in the first round that undeniably crowned him as the new welterweight champion. If you are unfamiliar, you'd assume that this began the legendary streak we all now know GSP for as champion, but that wouldn't be the case. Matt Serra had just won the comeback season The Ultimate Fighter and was a tremendous underdog. Just to show how insane the sport is though, against all the odds, Serra actually finished GSP by first catching him on the feet and finishing him on the ground with a TKO. In my opinion, it's without a doubt the biggest upset in MMA history. So again, it was Matt Hughes that would be up for title contention against Matt Serra for UFC 79 after they coached the Ultimate Fighter Season 6 against each other. But Serra suffered a back injury and was unable to compete. As a result, George St. Pierre stepped in to replace him and the trilogy was set against Hughes for December 29th, 2007. And this was the definitive end to the rivalry as GSP fully dominated Hughes through the first and second rounds before earning an armbar victory to gain the interim title and his chance to face Matt Serra once again for the undisputed crown. Chapter 5. The Champ is Here To date, only two men hold victories over GSP. Matt Hughes and Matt Serra. St. Pierre had now beaten Hughes twice at UFC 65 and UFC 79, and in the process he'd already become popular and fittingly headlined the first Canadian UFC card as the homegrown star against Matt Serra for UFC 83. And it was at this time he was able to regain the championship by completely dominating Serra and TKOing him with huge knees to the body to unify the titles. And this was when GSP rose to prominence amassing one of the greatest title streaks in MMA history. He'd earned wins next over John Fitch, a true super fight over BJ Penn, Tiago Alves, Dan Hardy, Josh Koscheck for the second time, and then break the welterweight title streak set by Matt Hughes to earn his sixth title defense by beating Jake Shields, where they also broke the then UFC attendance record of 55,724 fans in 2011. This had only been broken once Holly Holm shocked the world four years later against Ronda Rousey at UFC 193 with 56,214 fans in Australia in 2015. Later that year, GSP was set to defend against incoming Strikeforce welterweight champion Nick Diaz, who vacated his title to challenge him. But that's when Diaz was pulled from the card after no-showing the pre-fight press conference. Even then though, St. Pierre was forced out of the replacement fight against Condit with a knee injury and then suffered a torn ACL sidelining him for almost a year. And so in that time, Condit fought Nick Diaz for the interim title with Condit earning a controversial and razor-close decision win. Eight months later, the two fought in a unification bout where GSP GSP was tested with a huge head kick, but survived to earn a unanimous decision. Despite coming off of a loss, Nick Diaz was awarded the next shot to finally settle the score with GSP, but he dominated that with his wrestling heavy style through five rounds. This led to the final defense and most controversial win of his career against Johnny Hendricks. Amid the rumors of GSP's possible retirement, GSP vacated the title and wouldn't return until 2017. Chapter 6, The Modern Era In the wake
wake of GSP's hiatus, it was time to crown a new champion for the division to move on. This came in the form of the last man to challenge for it, logically Johnny Hendricks, and in the most unlikely of opponents in Robbie Lawler. Unlikely, I say, because Robbie was a man prior to migrating from Strikeforce, had lost his last four of six fights, and since then had somehow resurrected his career with three huge wins over Koscheck by TKO, Bobby Volker by KO, and a split decision win in his first fight with Rory McDonald. The fight with Hendricks and Lawler was so good that it earned Fight of the Night honors, and so they fought again later that year after Lawler beat Jake Ellenberger and Matt Brown to earn another title shot. This was during a time where Hendricks was sidelined. And so this time, Lawler earned the split decision victory. Although his title reign was short with just two title defenses, Robbie Lawler had two of the most legendary title fights in UFC history. An absolute bloody back and forth war with Rory McDonald in their second fight that many insist is the greatest title fight in UFC history and for good reason. And then he followed it up with another strong contender for the best ever in an incredibly close fight with Carlos Condit that had him on a five fight win streak. Next, he would defend his title at UFC 201, the first card ever after WME bought Zufa for the welterweight strap. And despite all of the wars Robbie had been in to this point and all the damage he withstood from all these great fighters, Tyron Woodley landed a huge right hand that completely flattened the champion and earned him a definitive win over the beloved champion. And that's what leads us to the present time. Woodley would nearly finish the clear number one contender in Steven Thompson with massive punches and a near submission in the first fight that stalemated with a draw, and he nearly finished him again in the second fight despite it being a far less entertaining affair in the rematch. And in July 2017, Woodley would earn his most recent title defense in a lackluster fight with Damian Maya. Since then, he'd been inactive, nursing several injuries, so Colby Covington would emerge as the number one contender for the title but was unable to make the September date the UFC was targeting, and despite being the interim champion, the UFC instead controversially awarded the fight to the devastating striker, Darren Till. This was controversial based on Till missing weight by a sizable margin against Stephen Thompson earlier that year, where he earned a razor-close decision. And so here we are, a day after their fight and without controversy unless something shocking happens like bad test results come back in the next few weeks, which we have no reason to suspect, Darren Till came into this fight with Woodley as the betting favorite and looked to be in phenomenal shape, but even still Tyron Woodley was just a force that could not be stopped last night. Love him or hate him, he's made the case now having three defenses and one draw to be one of the best champions in division history. I'm personally more on board than ever to see GSP come back to the division and fight him. Legacy-wise, stopping a dominant champion like Woodley would fit what he's discussed lately in the type of fight he wants to return with. The clear man in line for now, though, is Colby Covington. So who do you see winning that fight? Honestly, I think Woodley is the better wrestler and he's got way more power in his hands. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, and not only the fight, but who do you think can beat Woodley? He seems open to fighting at UFC 230 even. And not to mention Rory McDonald looks much better as a result of his win, but of course that's four years in the past now. Definitely a rematch I'd love to see happen at some point. Thanks for watching my video guys, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and like. We upload at least three times per week with videos about MMA and it really helps us out when you do so. If I missed anything, let me know in the comments and you can follow me personally for more conversation on Twitter at JasonTheHeart or follow our official account at OnPointMMA. Thanks so much, and I'll catch you guys on the next video.
division is home to some of the biggest legends in MMA history. Huge names like the first champ Pat Militich, onto Matt Hughes, BJ Penn, George St. Pierre, and home to countless other stars. Both the Diaz brothers have fought there, Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler, Johnny Hendricks, and it's even the weight of the best-selling fight in UFC history at UFC 202 when Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor.